The Music in Us is a free-flowing conversation about lyrics, music, and those who make it. Join Jay, the Grumpy Gagan, Scott, the pastor with a heart of rock and roll, Chip, the sarcastic boomer, and AJ, the millennial nihilist, for bi-weekly conversations. We don't always agree, but we always bring the respect. Thanks for listening. He says roll. I thought he said whoa. Oh, he said yes. Yeah, yeah, since the 80s, I've said whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I got some of it wrong, too. Too funny. There's also a debate about Nazis in the bathroom or matches in the bathroom. I always thought it was matches. Some people think it's Nazis. Nazis, yeah. I don't think it's, I don't think it's not. I don't know. This is a debate. Well, maybe. It, I don't know. If you, read, if you read around different things, some people say matches and... We can go back and listen to the beginning of that if you want. Oh no, that's okay. If you Nazi take out- mat, you think it's mattress in the bathroom? Matches, matches like matches in the bathroom. Nazis. I got it. I think it's matches. You think it's matches? Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe you're right. I don't know. There's. there's why would debate. there be Nazis in the bathroom? And why would they be in the bathroom? No clue. Matches in the bathroom because you spoke in the bathroom. Right. That's what I was thinking. I'm on team matches. Are we rolling? <laughs> we be rolling. All right. Uh, this is our 80s song from me, Paul, the weirdo guy. The weirdo guy. <laughs> the weirdo guy. <laughs> hey, weirdo guy. <laughs> anyway, uh, obviously, I have more of a 70s and 60s because I've picked John Lennon. But um, Wait, is he not alive anymore? Well, unfortunately, he died before this song was released. Nobody told me. Um, December 8th, 1980. Right. I remember. I definitely date. remember. I was watching Monday Night Football. And Howard Cosell broke the news. Yeah. It was really weird. Yeah. I was a freshman at Rose-Hulman Institute of Technology in Terre Haute on my freshman dorm floor. And we were all crowded around the resident assistant's uh, room listening to Q95 yes, out of Indianapolis to, uh, to hear the updates. And they played John Lynn music all night. Yep. I was eight and probably picking my nose. I yeah. fell asleep. Listen. I was 18, and John Lennon's assassination was, for me, the end of childhood. Really? I'd never known life without John Lennon in it. The Beatles loomed large, because they had two older brothers, and they were Beatles fans. and ah. So Beatles just loomed large in the music world, and, you know, it was just, like say, part of my life just died. My childhood ended. It was over. That night. Not to bring everybody down. No. But that, that's no, how I experienced it. Yeah, it was a big it. deal. I remember, yeah. I, and, I, and I stayed up all night listening to Beatles music. Every hour on the hour, I played While My Guitar Gently Weeps. And I, oh, never, no I never went to sleep. I stayed up all night. Held, vil, held a vigil of sorts. So, yeah. So, this album was released. It was Milk the, and Honey. Yeah. 1984 is when po- this album was released. Posthumous release. Yes. Posthumous release. The interesting thing is this song was not really... Well, he did, had recorded it, I think, maybe even in the 70s and kind of toyed around with it and was going to give it to Ringo Starr to release on his album. But then after he was shot and died, Ringo thought it would be, was not a good idea to... Right. ...to take that song Ringo so, would have done a good job with it yeah you know? I think so if you listen to it it does sound like kind of like something he could yeah. do so obviously he had recorded a version of this before he died yes was that like a scratch track and somebody like went and produced it later or they did touch it up and 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 things but most I mean it was him and obviously. so how was their 
how was there a video for this song? Well, was they just, just took old archival footage, okay. uh, videos from old. Yeah, uh, he's like from dancing his around. Collection? He's dancing around with long hair and a long beard. You know, like oh well, yeah, in, in Yoko's the in it. George Harrison's in it. Uh, yeah. Fred Astaire, interesting, is in the video. Really? <laughs> yeah, Fred Astaire is in that, that video. Happen? I don't know. They just huh. put somebody in there dancing. Interesting. But yeah, so anyway, it's really interesting that I wouldn't say it's one of his best songs. You know, but, you know, it's no, it's, I wouldn't say that. You know, but it it but is it, kind of catchy. After a while, the hook just kind of it just. Kind of sticks with you. For me, it kind of summed up sort of like the '80s for me in a way, and not to not to be a Debbie Downer, but it just you know, just I was more of a '70s guy. Like you know, like Jay said, his formative years were kind of in the '80s. Mine were in the '70s, and so it's kind of like you know, kind of that song about you know. And it's funny because really, I mean, I was still not really socially focused or anything, but I, I always when the '80s came, I always like you said, it it, it had a really bad feel to me. From the '80s, had yeah, a bad feel. For yeah. You? This is an outward feel. Say more. What do you mean? Well, like you were saying, it became, uh, people became greedy, mm-hmm. more self-focused. You know, 70s, for me, now, you know, I'm, I was I lived a sheltered life. I was just a kid in a home. I didn't have to work or anything. Um, but it felt more communal, more natural, you know, Mother Earth and, you know, that kind of thing. And if, by the time we got to the 80s, it just seemed like everybody was like, nope, it's all about me and I'm going for my own. The, Reaganomics. Me, the me generation. Yeah. So... And so, in some ways, you you experience this song as commentary on that? Just, you know, it's just not like it used to be, you know. Everybody, he keeps having these, you know, everybody's doing this, but nobody's doing that kind of thing. It's, everybody's talking, no one says a word. Everybody's making love and no one really cares. Always something happening and nothing going on, you know. I mean, probably, I mean, I, I think really it's it's, it's kind of like also a sign of someone getting older and saying, I'm not, I'm just not in step with what's going on these days, you know, I think really. You know, you, so you, you're words. hearing it that way. I'm not in step with what's going on these days. Yeah, I think so. Say, say more about that. Well, as as times change and, and the things that familiar to you, things that ring true to you change and new people come in and different things ring true to them. They, they, they see things in a different way. They're new, new trends, new ways of looking at things, just like we were talking about with the control, you know. So suddenly the things that you thought were familiar that everyone liked and everybody did. They're not doing them anymore. And like, you know, like Jay says, sometimes you can almost be labeled as well. There's that guy that, you know, he just doesn't. And it's just because things have changed and sometimes you can change with it. I mean, you know, it's not like you sit there and just mourn all the time and don't do anything. But but you just get this feeling. It's like things just aren't the same. You know, it's just not. Strange days indeed. Strange days. Most peculiar, Mama. Roll. <laughs> you know, I I hear the song differently. I hear it as commentary okay. on the '80s, and it's a lot of flash, but not a lot of substance. Right. You know, everybody's flying, but no one touches the sky. He's trying to say something there about substance. That's a pretty good summation of the '80s, I think. Yeah, yeah. So let's see here a little bit about the song. If I can get this to come back up, now it's not coming up. It's all about more, more, more. How do I get more? So, uh, okay, so... Uh, uh. Watched a lot of Designing Women in the 80s. Did you? Mm-hmm. Still pull it up on Hulu every now and then for comfort. Oh, do you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. The single was also Lennon's last U.S. Top, top 10 hit, peaking at number five. That was a top 10 hit. I did uh-huh. not know that. And it was his third single to enter the U.S. Top 10 posthumously. Mm. What were the others? The other ones that uh, inter- uh, third internet top ten posthumously. I don't know. I always think that's kind of creepy. 
Posthumous releases. Yeah. I don't know why. Cashing in on yeah. Yeah. sometimes I, mean, I want notoriety of someone who does that who's died. go to. I mean it's it's such a desperate I mean, Milk and Honey was definitely posthumous because he was nineteen eighty four, he's long dead. Mm-hmm. So is it you know, is, is there a tension there? Is it like someone says, Hey, this stuff people need to hear it, I think they really need to hear it, or is it hey, this'll this'll pay for another condo somewhere if we can Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, it's probably a little bit of both. I, I would think in John Lennon's case, it's probably more altruistic than greed, but I'm sure greed was a big part of it. For record executives especially, right? right? Yeah, I mean, that's where the money's going. Yeah. I'm sure Julian maybe got some, or whatever, <laughs> who knows? Whoever did. But that's for me, that's that's kind of when I think of the 80s, I think of that kind of thing. Things changing. So like, what, what changed for you in the 80s that you uh, found peculiar or strange? Well, just culture, just the way thing, you know. Give some examples. Some examples. Let's see. It just seemed like it was. You mentioned the seventies felt more communal and more yes, natural, right? What? So help contrast the difference. I don't know. I, I, it's really hard to put a finger on for me. It's just it was just a feel. It just felt like I just you know you think about art and songs and things and they all talk you know it's you know i like to teach the world to sing and come on people now smile on your brother and uh peace and love a lot of, like album covers i think a lot of album covers are like pictures of woods or you know mm-hmm. and and that you know the 80s definitely went away from that kind of thing yeah neon lights and sexy babes on album covers yeah <laughs> well so there, there you go <laughs> this is gonna be a short one <laughs> Well, you know, I mean, you're right. I mean, the the 70s had kind of a back to nature sort of theme yes. going there for a while, you know, the flower children, right? You know, um, there were even experimental communities, communes. And sure. Sort of, but, you know, that, that sort of stuff passed with the 60s, early 70s. And then you had, what, this, the disco and then punk and then new wave and, you know, music. And art kind of propelled us into the new decade. You know, of course, 1984 is a famous book by George Orwell. Right. With a kind of a dystopian future and a uh, authoritarian government, you know. And it's also a really rocking track off of Tina Turner's Private Dancer album. It's on the B-side. She has a song called 1984? Mm-hmm. Really? It's real good. I know the one by Bowie from... Uh, Diamond Dogs album. 1984. Uh, might have been a cover of that one. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Hmm. I was thinking about another 80s song that was 1999. Hmm. 2000-0-0, something about out of time. You're talking about Prince, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And thinking about when it came out, and I thought, man, that's a long time away. Uh, <laughs> 1999, yeah. <laughs> I remember being, I think it was in third, no, it was fourth grade, because it was Christopher Knowles' class. I had him in fourth grade, and I remember doing the math to figure out how old I would be in the year 2000. It seemed like space, I mean, it truly felt like it was going to be Jetsons territory yeah, by right? then. And... <laughs> Wow, was that a letdown. We still don't have flying cars. No, we were supposed to have 
bases on the moon in the 80s, right? Sure. Yeah. None of that happened. So we were ripped off. <laughs> I want a refund. I want a refund from all the taxes I paid in the 80s because we didn't, we didn't colonize Mars. Right. We're working on it. That would be pretty interesting. Would you go to another, would you go to Mars to live? No, I don't think so. No. It's just a big dust ball. No, I think I'll stay here. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, there are so many options. You have to weigh them carefully. No, I've, as, as I've said before, I wish that we would put our time, money, and effort in saving this planet instead of, you know, space exploration and yeah. uh, all that. Spreading our warring madness into the stars. We need to figure some things out down here as a species. We need a good supervillain to we decimate to half the to population to give live the in rest harmony of us with the rest of the creatures on this earth, you know. But again, I'm not trying to bring things down either. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I'm not thinking that we all need to move to farms, and but maybe that's the answer. Who knows? I kind of like the comfortable suburban life. Or well, urban there's life. there's a concept of. Uh, planned obsolescence that we're living in everything's disposable nothing is made to stand the test of time products yep. are manufactured to be replaced right we definitely have to get away from that which isn't going to happen no because lazy people like being lazy and that's how well it's not just that it's the manufacturers want people buying yeah <laughs> but yeah. people are buying they, they don't want their product their old products to erode the market. You know, used cars is one of the biggest uh, erosions to new car sales. Well, that's pretty nihilistic and absolving us of any accountability in our consumerism decisions. Right. We can decide to spend our money responsibly instead of being lazy about everything. Mm -hmm. But they're banking on most people not. Oh, because we, we've proven that's what we want yeah. as consumers. We Something don't want to fix things. We right. want to buy a new one. Yeah. Yeah. Always bigger, better. Right, yeah. As soon as this thing breaks, I can get a better version of it. Right. Or somebody down the street's got that. Well, I, you know, right. I, I yeah. think I can get And it does this one extra I'll... function, and I need that in my life. Yes. Makes Julian fries. Oh, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> right. Never mind. Julian fries. With a knife. And best of all, boys, it catch it fish. <laughs> the old Ronco. <laughs> so a couple little more tidbits about the song. There's um there's one part about the UFOs over New York, and I ain't too surprised. Back in the, during John Lennon's Lost Weekend, so to speak, uh, he was in, in New York, and, and he apparently he looked out his a, a window and saw what he thought was a UFO, and he's reported that he by Mary Pang, his lover at the time, the other one, um, come back and take me. He was yelling. <laughs> <laughs> so, come back and take me i yeah. can't stand it here anymore <laughs> oh and of course this song is kind of kind of written as a pun on the mama said there'd be days like these by the shirelles oh is that right yeah kind of a i'm not even sure i know that song mama said yeah if you listen to oldie station like these yeah it's like it's kind of like one of those girl groups okay do do up uh, well, no, 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 it was post doo -wop. You know, there was like the girl groups at the time, you know, like the, the Ronettes and, and before, probably, well, Supremes are probably at the Supreme. tail end of that, like the Ronettes and the Shirelles oh, okay. and the, those kind of things. And this was one of those. If I remember correct, does Shirelles do, uh, what's that song? Uh, I always sing it to Michelle and now I've already forgotten. Let me, let me. Oh, darn it. Oh, well. 
doesn't matter. We did point out that the millennials not here, so you have to deal with our decaying brain cells. <laughs> <laughs> Are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Oh. Are you ready? Is that the Shirelles? <laughs> yes, uh, I don't even know how. Yeah, I, that, to I know that song. Hold your hand. That one. Well, great. Now we have to pay royalties. <laughs> no, yeah, we haven't sung enough of it to do that. Don't have to do that. <laughs> I don't know about that one. So I know the song. What, what do you think made the '80s so different? Why Why was there such a change from, let's say, the Flower Children, Back to Nature kind of movement to the greed of the '80s, the narcissism, the Me Generation? I don't know. Nobody told me. So, what kind of how knowledgeable are you of like Reaganomics? That was well, some like I know that it was a, a myth. It was a myth. Trick, the trickle down was really never trickled that far down. Yeah, it, it never did work. Still they made doesn't. it sound like it did, but it really didn't. So I worked in sales in the eighties, and you know I had a two thousand dollar a month expense account. Fresh out of college, you know, and we had the wine and dine model for sales relationships, mm. just like they did it in the good old days in the 60s and 70s. So it, it carried over into the early 80s. I remember I went to my first job evaluation. So this is like 1985, 1986. And my boss told me, you got to learn how to play golf. Uh, yeah. And that was his one thing, his tip for improving my performance. Learning to play Learn golf. to play golf. So, you know, and take your clients out on the course, right. you know, and that, because that's where relationships are built and that's where deals get made, you know. So did you? Well, I did. I bought a set of clubs and learned to play. Yeah. But I wasn't very good, <laughs> but I did do it and I did take clients out from time to time, you know, and we, and we had the uh, two beer lunches and, you know, things like that, and, you know, that, that kind of stuff doesn't happen anymore. Right. I remember I went, I, I left that job in 89 and I went back into sales in 2005. Big jump in time. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the way things had changed, it was mind-boggling. Yeah. I mean, I would call in once a week and kind of give my activity for the week to the secretary or to my boss. And anytime I uh, needed a quote to go out to a client, I would call the secretary and she would type it up and send it out with all the particulars. Uh, jump ahead to 2005, there is a corporate computer system that you enter all your information into and the computer system spits out a quote. Mm -hmm. And there were weekly calls with all the, uh, you know, the sales force with our regional manager. And there was a lot of micromanaging going on because everything we did was, you know, all of our activity had to be logged in the computer and, you know, on and on and on and on. You're right. So it, it was, I mean, I remember I had one of those uh, uh, Tandy Radio Shack uh, <laughs> digital Palm Pilots. <laughs> it was like that thick, like a little bit thicker than a stack of cards, playing cards. <laughs> as wide as my fingers would spread, you know, to hold it and probably about, oh, six inches long, maybe just a little bit short of six inches long. That was the early Palm Pilot, digital Palm Pilots. Wow. And, they, you know, now all that stuff is, people don't even buy Palm Pilots anymore. Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's all done on your smartphones. And all that had changed, you know. I had a phone in a bag. Oh, yeah, <laughs> the bag phone. <laughs> you were really something if you had that mobile phone. Yeah. I didn't have a computer in the in the 80s, but until they How were did late. you play Oregon Trail? Oregon Trail. <laughs> 
Never I don't even mind. know what that is. On the yeah, first one, wasn't it? It was an early computer game. game. Yeah, it was a computer game. My kids played it a lot. You died of dysentery all the time. Yeah. So it wasn't until the early 90s that really had a computer, you know? Mm. And then, uh, you know, it was Dot Matrix. Yeah. <laughs> From Dot Matrix printers and eventually went to Inkjet. Yeah, I remember, what is that? America Online. We joined America Online when there was 750,000 members. And, you know, within less than 10 years, they bought Time Warner. Yeah. I mean, just unreal, the amount of growth that that particular internet company uh, gained over that time. But but again, back to the 80s, you know, I, money was fluid. There was a lot of it. Yeah. And Michelle and I were double income, no kids. So we never wanted for anything. That's the way I like it. Mm. <laughs> so, you know, I benefited from Reaganomics, I suppose, mm-hmm. just from a standpoint that it was all good for the corporate set. Right. As a matter of fact, I wrote it. I was part of a comedy troupe in the early 90s, and I wrote a song kind of reflecting on those days uh, that was a parody of uh, Thank God I'm a Country Boy by John Denver. Denver. It was called Thank God I'm a Corporate Boy. (laughs) 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 It was fun. Power red tie, pinstripe suit, wingtip shoes, all the markings. Well, remember, there was a. I remember in college. In the 80s, there were posters that we had hanging up in, like, our dorm rooms that said, Poverty Sucks. Do you remember that poster? No, I remember that oh, one. Oh, you yeah, YouTube I it, or, or I mean, it. Google it. You can, uh, you'll find a picture of it. There, there's a guy, like, in riding crop, sitting on a Rolls Royce, holding a glass of champagne, you know. Lifestyles of the rich and famous. Yeah, that kind, very much that kind of feel. Yeah. Was what the, and that's what they were going for. That's what we were going for. Wealth, excess, show pizzazz well it's an overcorrection from the 70s and that's what most that's what most decades are is an overcorrection from the one previous oh so you think the excess of the 80s is a was a reaction to well it's the same people they're just growing up the hippies grew up that's the one (laughs) he showed a picture that's the one you know of course and nowadays you know you look at the world now (laughs) and millennials and uh gen z they're saying or iGen or whatever they're saying you know it's it's people from the 80s are the ones responsible for screwing this world up the baby boomers <laughs> well yeah it's always nice to blame someone it else was well the really gen xers too because the gen xers are the jv team of the baby boomers remember <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yep they just lump them all together all them all, all those people had all okay, that money boomer. and did nothing yeah, yeah exactly Smack the smug off of somebody's face for telling me that. <laughs> well, crickets. Yeah. Sounds like we're done with that one. No, we needed AJ. He could have ripped us one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he'd tell us how how senseless and doesn't matter anymore. Okay, boomer. We're in 2021 now. Get over it. So I hear, you know, the sentiment that things aren't the same. Things have changed and things haven't changed in a good way. Uh, what are things like for you now in 2021? Right now, I'm not in a good spot, but we'll see. Would you say it's because of cultural change or? Well, probably my fault, I assume. You know, I mean, lots of other people are happy and comfortable. Because I certainly feel like we're living in strange days. I mean, COVID aside, I mean, the increase in violence, the. Well, the, and the, the, yeah, talking in that, in that realm, um, you know, like the, the, what's the word I'm look, want to look for? It's, how far apart we've grown and how heated we are on either side 
that we don't want to hear the other side that everybody else if somebody doesn't agree with you then they're terrible and you know i mean that's that's not good at all i mean there's no no discourse there's no way to improve there's no way to come together if you're telling the other person well you're a jerk because you're different how are you ever going to work that out yeah we kind of talked about that one of our previous episodes right. if i remember correctly i think one of the things we talked about was social networks is part of the problem or as aj said is is the problem virtual relationships as opposed to real face-to-face relationships yeah i guess because you don't have to deal with the person out the outside right you can go in your own little world and find enough people that are that feel like you to reinforce the way you, th- and you don't have to really think about, well, maybe I'm wrong or maybe maybe I should be thinking about because you just go back and go to your social network and, you know, there's enough people in the whole world that can echo your thoughts and self-validation. Internet is a cesspool. <laughs> I was, uh, Amen. I, I don't even remember what, it was probably YouTube, one video rolling into another, but... I guess uh, Valerie Bertinelli had posted something to her Instagram and uh, somebody commented, you need to lose weight. Oh, and oh, how kind. That's- I mean, you know, this is a woman who has publicly struggled with her weight since oh, she, she was a teenager on one day at a time. One day at a time. Yeah. And, you know, not Eddie Rabbit, Eddie Munster, Eddie Van Halen. Yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, I get those confused all the time. <laughs> I went through all my. Yeah, we went from Nashville <laughs> to the Monsters, and, you know, he <laughs> to he, Van Halen. <laughs> you know, Natural he, progression. He died when he did, and you know, whatever. So she's got stuff, and you know, she. she well, made they, a, they divorced. They broke up a long time. Oh ago. yeah, but, I mean, they time. they stayed close. They had kids. I think together they did, and, didn't they? Stay kind of close. Um, but I, she, in her response, know. you know, she was all weepy and stuff, and you know responding she said that's just not helpful and that really struck me because i mean that's the problem right it's not comments like that are typed and sent under the guise of being concerned and Hmm. you know offering constructive criticism so people can live their most authentic lives and be their best selves well a no one asked yeah (laughs) for your opinion (laughs) and number two it's not helpful yeah, to it just say just you're fat or you need to lose weight or your political beliefs suck or whatever it is. Unless, of course, they do suck, which, you know, if you don't agree well, with I me, mean, then But must, even if they do, what good does it do to tell a person that they suck? Well, yeah, you'll never have, you'll never have a discussion. <laughs> you right? know, they're literally you can't the change dumbest anybody's person. And it's just verified fact that they're just dumb and ta- not to have no idea what they're talking about. Just ignore it. What good does it do to interact? Or find common ground. Or if you really want to have a discussion, find common ground and yeah. try to understand that there or are as, commonalities or to as everyone. Thumper would say, if you don't have nothing nice to say, don't say nothing at all. <laughs> <laughs> but there, then where would social media be? Yeah. But then you have Olympia Dukakis from Steel Magnolias that says, if you don't have anything nice to say, come sit next to me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, was that an 80s film? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Was it 80s? Mm-hmm. Wow. So. Mm-hmm. A long time ago. Back when Tom Skerritt could still get work. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Strange days indeed. That's for sure. Most peculiar. How do you get through them? Uh, how do you deal with cataclysmic change like we've been going through lately i eat way too much you eat too much so eat for com- comfort return to comfort mm-hmm. 
Things for that me, comfort I, us. I I kind of I've got started going back to church, and so kind of look at the spiritual side, and I'll be like uh, Lloyd Bridges. Uh, picked the wrong day to stop smoking. I <laughs> uh, picked the wrong day to stop drinking. <laughs> picked the wrong day to stop sniffing glue. <laughs> this is all from a film called Airplane. Airplane, which was in the seventies, but still hilarious. Yes. So good. Robert Hayes. <laughs> so good. He had a drinking problem. Yeah. <laughs> the shots in the eyeball. <laughs> Couldn't make the fig into his mouth. <laughs> I made a reference to that drinking problem in conversation a couple weeks ago i think at work it's just yeah right over yeah yeah, it yeah. Didn't, didn't land at all yeah <laughs> yeah a lot of my pop references aren't getting got anymore uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. i think that's how we know that we're oh past our prime yes we yes. are no longer relevant okay boomer yep <laughs> so how do you yeah how do you deal with it so comfort what do you do to comfort well, like I yourself said, I, i'm starting to become more you know Go back to church and try to get more involved in church and uh-huh. read the Bible more and pray and okay. kind of look for guidance and comfort that way. Okay. And for you, it's food. Mm. I don't believe that's always true, though. Well, I, you know, food's, food's a, a big one for me. Um, music is big for me. You know, as much as, much as music affects me, uh, it's not a go-to most of the time for, for comfort or for... I mean, music can be comforting, but it's not something I go to specifically to find comfort. I love music. I mean, I, and I and I do like to listen to it, but it doesn't change anything, really. I mean, it helps you feel better, but if you want... I, and I'm looking for something to make things better, to, to get things, you know, get out of the same old, same old, you know, and so that's what I'm... That's why I'm doing I, what I'm I doing. I can just lose myself in music, you know. So if there's something bothering me or, you know, I'm bothered, you know, sometimes it's a nice, healthy diversion. Just, sure. Just mm-hmm. lose myself in it, you know. Uh, just the sounds. It's like, so like I was listening to The Fix earlier and I mentioned that, oh, this music is divine. Well, maybe not for you, but for me, it's, yeah. you know, as a musician, just knowing what they're doing is highly technical and... Mm-hmm. And so different from anything else, yeah, you know, true. that was out at the time or even even now. I mean, it's very different, very distinct. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has an '80s sound to it, but you know, the Fix kind of had their own their own sound. Yeah. You know, that's true. And so, yeah, so music is a big one for me. And performing, you know, I so when the band performs, that's that's also a big release. Really enjoy that. Has helped navigate some of these turbulent times we're in. I think sometimes I avoid music specifically because I don't feel like I deserve to feel better. You know, it, it's kind of a, <clears throat> yeah, it's kind of a self-sabotage kind of thing. Yeah. Like, mm. I feel like that would probably make me feel better, but I don't deserve that right now. So I'm not going to go hmm. listen to music. So do you get down on yourself because of change? Oh, no, I get down on myself because I hate myself. <laughs> So, yeah, I I self sabotage a, a lot, and I yeah I just I don't know that I've ever really even vocalized this, but yeah, it's um yeah it, it's self sabotage and uh, a sense of not deserving comfort or you know whatever the case may be. Uh, well, I'm, that makes me sad, <laughs> but I think you know everybody struggles with self esteem issues. It's true. Yeah, it's very true. Well, I love you, Jay. Aww. I think you deserve to be happy. We love you, Jay. Thank you. It's pretty easy to put yourself on the back burner when you got a toddler mucking about. 
smiling all the time. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, She's a doll. She does a really good job of uh, making me forget my own bullshit. (laughs) And really, that's, I mean, that's all it is at the end of the day. They're they're mental tricks to do, you know, just to, why can't we all just be happy? (laughs) It's a little simplistic, but I don't know. Let's just be happy, Chip. Let's just be happy. Don't worry. Be happy. I like the, uh, the line that really grabbed me from... The John Lennon tune. Mm-hmm. Nobody told me that uh, there'd be days like these. Uh, everybody's flying, but no one touches the sky. Mm-hmm. You know. It, yeah, that jumped out at me too. Yeah, and it, it just says something. You know, there's something more to shoot for than you know this flash in the pan or the money that you're chasing or the nice clothes, the designer jeans, and the you know. Well, talk about overcorrections. What was the '90s? Grunge. Yeah. That is the exact opposite of the excess. Yeah. Yeah. And the wealth from the 80s. Yeah, that's right. True. That's true. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. So. You're exactly right. I love the fact that the music in us, you know, it's it's art and it speaks to our times, speaks out of our times, for our times, speaks for us, to us, through us, even gives us a chance to escape and other times uh, gives us a, an opportunity to think deeper mm-hmm. sometimes. Well, thanks for bringing the song in, man. Well, you're welcome. <laughs> thank you. Thank you very much, Chippy. This has been The, the music, music in us. us. Bye. And I need... Thank you for listening to The Music in Us. We hope you enjoyed today's show. Also, we would love to hear from you. Please reach out to us when you can, any way that you can. Email us at themusicinuspodcast at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at The Music and Us Pod, Facebook at The Music and Us Podcast, or on our website, themusicinus.com. We'll see you next week with another great gap fest about the universal language of music. <laughs>